Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are back. Had a little bit of a lull in these episodes, was able to complete the 100 pods, 100 articles, and the 100-day series, so I really hope you guys all enjoyed that. As you have your drafts coming up, you know, I invite you to go back to last week. Uh, our guest for today, spoiler alert, Dwayne McFarland and myself went through our overall draft strategy guide. We're going to talk about some of the, you know, just new things that have happened over the weekend, but again, that episode from last Friday, it would have been August 20th will still hold true for your drafts the following week. So we got plenty more to talk about today. I want to do some Q and a for our Friday pod to help get, you know, some of your questions answers to so be on a lookout on Twitter for that. I'll be sending out that tweet on Wednesday, most likely. So keep an eye out for that. If you have any specific questions, but again, the goal of today's pod is to recap what happened in preseason week two, as we talked about before, we don't necessarily care about the big plays, you know, the highlights being made more so about the first team usage and what we're projecting these guys to do once everything starts counting in September. So already mentioned who the guest is, but you'll be hearing from him very often on this pod moving forward. None other than Dwayne, the rock McFarland. Dwayne, what's going on, man? We've kind of had a hectic day together with uh, injury news. We were both on the Chris Collins with podcast uh, earlier. Still a great day to be great either way, right? Yeah, man, definitely. This is, this has been one of the more jam packed days for sure. Like with, with the news plus hopping on with Chris, but yeah, like, I get to wake up and do this every day, man. I still can't believe it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally excited. I uh, couldn't think of a better way to, to spend my day. hundred percent. Let's get right to it. Travis Etienne, Liz Frank injury, likely out for the season. Ah, this sucks, man. Hate injuries. Wish God would turn them off. Hopefully Travis gets healthy back, ready to go in 2022 because our job is literally to push forward and tell people how to win fantasy football games. We need to essentially dismiss Travis at this time, talk about what the purpose is. So while I would love for the entire industry to give injured guys 24 hour breaks, and then we'll talk about it. Not the reality of our jobs, Dwayne. So let's talk. James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, what's going on? My initial thought is that while we're not getting James RB1 son back, James RB2 son seems like a solid uh, just goal and projection to be giving now the feature back for Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. I would just say people, the reason why Robinson was so effective in fantasy last year, wasn't because he's one of the best running backs in the league. He's great. It wasn't because the Jaguars offense was good. They sucked. It was all because of the volume before Robinson got hurt. Only Dalvin cook and Derrick Henry had more touches than him. That will not happen again. I guess the million dollar question is Dwayne, what do we expect to see from this Robinson Hyde platoon? Because it will be a committee of sorts. Again, though, how big? Hey, I just I, I just have to let you you know hit me. So, what was the latest you just heard on ETN this morning? Like the last time I looked at it, and when I heard it, it was like there's still this range. I, we knew it was the list wrong, but when he's wasn't done for sure, the, after most likely done for the season. She's all right. Well, cool. Sorry to spread yeah. this <laughs> no, no, it's okay. No, I was actually I was writing another piece, so I didn't have time, and then we came straight into this, so it's it's a good update. Um, yeah, I was already getting my head around it anyway. Um, so I think you, I think you did a good job just kind of laying it out, but I mean, I think Robinson's going to handle most of it. I think Hyde's going to be a nuisance. I think you're right where you're putting him, which is an RB two. Um, and for some people that will land in what you would call the RB dead zone. Um, but, but I don't consider Robinson to be the typical dead zone back at, at this point now, right. With, with, you know, Etienne out for the season. So I would expect him to handle, you know, 250 carries or so Ian, which is going to be worth an RB two. If the price you're probably going to be able to get him, it'll be interesting to see where his ADP sorts out, but I would feel comfortable with Robinson anywhere where you're taking guys like Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, 
Uh, even you could say right around where Chris Carson's going, that's the range that I would put him in, you know, right there. You know, I would probably put him just above, uh, Josh Jacobs, JK Dobbins, right in that range. We're spot on same page. We've been talking on this podcast a lot about how in the first three rounds of draft, we are comfortable taking running backs. If they're in the top 14 and Claude Edwards, has kind of been our last running back of that tier. I wouldn't even disagree with someone putting um, Robinson as high as RB 15. I think after Clyde, he could be worthy of that spot. I still have Chris Carson, Deandre Swift for now, Montgomery Henderson and Dobbins ahead of uh, Robinson. I'm tempted to even move him ahead of Dobbins right now. I guess just the question though, man, like is what is high going to be? Because as we saw in the week two preseason snap counts, I mean, Hyde actually, I believe out snapped Robinson with the starters. I don't, yeah, it was eight snaps for Hyde, seven for Robinson. Look, I fully expect Robinson to lead this backfield. I'm preparing a, a backfield breakdown chart for the week one snap rates. I would expect it to be 70% Robinson, 30% Hyde. There is a chance it's more split down the middle than we like. There's also a chance they add a third down back to the equation, consider it, consider muddling it up. So we can't just assume we're getting that role from last year. We have brand new coaching staff, a lot of reasons. I mean, they drafted his replacement, Travis ETM. We can't forget about that. Still, the touches are touches. How do you feel one for one against Daryl Henderson? Cause I think that's kind of the popular comp people are looking at. Again, I have Henderson a spot higher. I just think he's gotten a little bit more of the, you know, respect from the coaching staff throughout the off season. Yeah. And you know how I, I mean, you've seen how I do my tears. I mean, that's right where I'm going to slot him, you know, and honestly, if someone told me they really felt, you know, in their gut, they wanted to go with Robinson versus Henderson, I would be fine with it. And that's the point of tears, right? I think the tier he's going to land in. Now we've got the DeAndre Swift news. I know I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the tier for me, and this is a PPR tier, I would have it as Swift, Chris Carson. Um, then I would probably put James Robinson right there with Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. And that would be my tier. And so I'm good with him versus any one of those players. Um, I'm probably going to go with Carson over him. But once you get to Daryl Henderson, I think it really is a coin flip. We are lined up there. So yeah, people great. News. If you drafted James Robinson, you got that seventh or ninth round discount. Great news. You're not going to get it for any more. I would say, you know, end of third or early fourth, probably reasonable spots, but Dwayne, I think we're probably both on the same page here where we're not going to be reaching on really Robinson or any of those running backs in the tier. If there's going to be a top 12 receiver available, going to continue taking those guys. You mentioned it with the news with DeAndre Swift. Unfortunately, we have another running back injury to quickly discuss. So DeAndre Swift has not been practicing pretty much all at training camp. He has a groin injury, if I'm not mistaken. And with that, we're now getting some concern from Dan Campbell himself about if Swift will even be ready for week one. So him coming back, we already had to deal with Anthony Lynn, you know, calling Jamal Williams his A back. I still, I think a fully healthy Swift leads the backfield, but I think it's, you know, 55, 45, 60, 40, something a little bit closer to 50, 50. than I think maybe the Swift truthers out there would want to hear. Now you put this groin injury on top of it. Dwayne, look, I've not been getting a ton of Swift regardless, because again, he's just, he's in the RB dead zone that we bring up 20 times a podcast with this now, like it, it is problematic. And unless he slides outside the top 20, I, I just really don't see myself getting him in many drafts at this point. Yeah, for me with Swift, um, he was one of the few guys I was actually targeting in the dead zone. And it's just because, you know, he had the draft capital, young back. Um, Jamal Williams, I thought would be annoying for sure. Um, but Jamal Williams isn't a great player. Like he's a nice player and we know the coaching staff wants to use him. But I felt good enough 
um, about Swift that sometimes in the late third, I was taking him as my two, even a couple of times in the middle, um, third, um, a couple of times I started receiver tight end and I just grabbed Swift in the middle. Um, so here's what I'm hoping. I just hope this pushes Deandre Swift's draft price down because I would love to buy him. All we need is for them just to let him get healthy, which he's very different than what we're dealing with. You know, what we just talked about, right. He's going to be back. It's just a matter of when, if that means he, he needs to chill for two or three weeks and I can all of a sudden get him in the fifth round of a draft. That's, that's when I really want to pounce on Deandre Swift and I'll be drafting him all day long in that spot. I'm actually kind of, you know, you never want a player to be hurt, but for what this could do to ADP again, we never know for sure how people are going to react to this stuff, but typically this kind of news can send somebody down around to a round and a half. And that's too, that's an overreaction in my opinion. And it makes Swift a better value than what we have been drafting him thinking he was healthy. So this is one where I think we could actually utilize the information. I know I have to work the word utilize in there. Sorry, Ian. Um, <laughs> we could use this information to our advantage. Um, but I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And, and again, this is PPR, half PPR. I think when you get into standard formats, you really got to push Swift down a little bit more. Yeah, for me, like him being already injured is a problem and I am not going to be heavily betting on him because we don't know how big of an issue the injury is. So that's the big problem for me. One of my 10 tips for the draft season, difference between being injury prone and already injured. Everyone becomes a value at a certain point. I'm not disagreeing with that. If he free falls, okay, we can get back in. But for now, as long as he's staying in that general range, I think I probably will be out on Swift. Dwayne, let's run through some of these other backfields. We talked you know, a lot in the week one preseason pod about some of the committees that were popping up, and we saw a lot of that continue to come to fruition. The Jets got Tevin Coleman back. Both Tevin and Ty Johnson worked ahead of Michael Carter. Najee Harris keeps getting fed in Pittsburgh. Antonio Gibson getting fed, not getting as many third down snaps as we'd like miles gaskin came back to life to an extent also still in a muddle committee alongside malcolm brown salvin ahmed patriots backfield looks more muddled up with sony michelle getting first team snaps all of a sudden carolina we got chuba hubbard coming in getting more of a true handcuff role i think we can feel good about him actually being a mike davis-esque uh, guy this year behind cmc then we got denver buffalo arizona and baltimore all using multiple running backs final note i really had down was that we have tony jones who we could call tojo i had someone shout that out on twitter great call uh tojo is now apparently the rb2 in new orleans so i'm not asking you to comment on every single situation i just listed Dwayne. again we did a lot of that last week but any of those running back rooms with you know some utilization that really sticks out to you I really do think you hit on a lot of them um, with the, with the Patriots just real quick. A lot of the upside that I think folks were wanting to be there in, you know, as far as Damian Harris thinking he might really be more of just like him and James white. It does appear they want Sony Michelle to be the new Rex Burkhead. They're kind of using him like this Jack of all trades kind of thing. Plus we know the Patriots, they're willing to carry four or five backs. They'll use JJ Taylor. They'll have him active, use him on special teams and they'll have Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson. They'll roster him just won't have him active on a game day. And then if one of the, the other guys gets hurt. Michelle gets hurt. Guess what? Stevenson's up. So the problem for Harris is it's like, there's this ever evolving door there with him that no matter how many of them get hurt, it's like, they're still going to find a way to have other backs involved. So I think when you're looking at Harris, especially a lot of the zero RB drafters, um, you know, they're always, we're always looking for someone to say, okay, who would be really good in this range? Second, third year player that could take over. I just don't see it happening for Harris. The best, the best case you could hope for with Harris, in my opinion, is Cam Newton loses the job to Mac Jones and you get a super, you get a supercharge and rushing touchdowns and have to hope for something like what we got out of, of, 
of a uh, Garrett Blount like five years ago. And you end up with, you know, 12, 13, 14 rushing touchdowns, but this is a very different offense. I don't know if there's 12 or 13 rushing touchdowns that to even happen, you know, in this offense. And we also don't know if Cam Newton doesn't get involved again, you know, around the inside the five, even if Mac Jones is there. So just some of the, the shine for Damian Harris, I believe is gone. Um, the other one you mentioned, Miles Gaskin looked great. But, you know, straight up utilization snaps, Gaskin, 40%, Ahmed, 32%, Malcolm Brown, 28%. If you look at it on first and second down, 43%, 38%, 30%. Short down and distance, 100% to Malcolm Brown. Long down and distance, 33% to Gaskin, 67% to Ahmed. Two-minute offense. We actually did see two-minute offense. You don't see that much in the preseason, but the Dolphins did run it with Tua. 100% of those snaps went to Gaskin. So that that was encouraging. But really, this is a, this is – I mean, it's a true committee. This is not even a, a 1A and then you got two other guys just kind of splitting work. This is really he, – he is slightly in the lead, but I just don't trust it. I don't know about you, Ian. I, I worry it could go either way on any different week. And Gaskin's a guy that right now he's starting to move back up boards, and I'm probably just not going to be buying in because I think it's a complete unknown. There's not draft capital in him. It's not like he's a super explosive player. He's a nice player. But this is not an elite talent, despite the production that he put up last year. I think he leads the backfield, which is fine, but I'm not spending RB2 draft capital to land someone that might lead the backfield. In my RB projection splits, I got him at 50% snaps, Brown at 30%, Ackman at 20%. And that feels generous. Like to your point, that could easily be like 40, 30, 30. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And you could flip the order around. This is a free flowing committee and it's still a spot we need to stay away from. Last thing on the Sony Michelle point, like I, I've seen people do this with Dallas Goddard as well. Like we had information that we thought was going to happen. We thought earth was going to be traded to the bills. And I thought Sony Michelle was going to be cut. Like that was a real thing going on between some Patriots reporters. You look at the cap sheet, you look at how a player has been used. It seemed reasonable that Michelle would be a cut candidate. And if Sony was out of the picture, great. We finally have a two RB backfield in new England. Now, Ramondre Stevenson coming up still didn't necessarily concern me. It's when Sony got into the first team snaps last week. And to your point is being used in that Rex Burkhead role. So just like I see people who won't move Dallas Goddard down the ranks because they're saying, Oh, he's just better than her. So it'll work out. Now we're getting that conversation with Damon Harris versus Sonny. I don't disagree that Damon Harris is the better back. I think he is, but clearly the Patriots think it's close enough to keep Sony involved in the picture. So we'll just say people, you know, make sure you're being aware of the reason why you're ranking players the way they are. And then don't be, you know, chasing your confirmation bias after the situation changes. James Robinson was my single biggest fade of this season before the Travis Etienne injury. So I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, keep fading him. You know, it's not going to work. No, we get the new information. We adjust accordingly. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it either. Just something to keep in mind as we continue to do this. Dwayne, do you have any more notes on the running backs? Do you think we covered everything we kind of needed to? No, I think we hit most of it. I mean, just a couple little things for people to remember. This is a take I kind of put out there and I I know people didn't really like it, but I'm a little concerned with AJ Dillon. He looked good, but I'm, I'm worried that Kylan Hill is looking just good enough, Ian, that if Aaron Jones were to go down, do we really think this is all going to AJ Dillon now? I mean, Colin Hill looks like really good as a receiver. <laughs> I worry that he'll take the two minute offense 
probably a lot of the long down and distance, a lot of the third downs and AJ Dillon will, he'll get more work because he would probably see most of the first and second down stuff. But I just worry that Kylan Hill is enough that should we really be spending? Because I mean, if you look at Dylan, you know, he'll go anywhere from the eighth to the ninth round. You're spending true premium capital on him versus Pollard. You'll get in the 10th or 11th Madison. You get between 12 and 13. And then other guys you already mentioned, you know, uh, Chuba Hubbard. Then we got Darrington Evans. Now you got Tojo. I mean, these are other guys that profile as having really big roles. If their leading back goes down and I'm just worried a little bit with Dylan, because I think the thought process has been, well, he could, he could have standalone flex value. And, and now I'm worried, like how much of that is really true. And is he really the true handcuff 100% to Aaron Jones, if Aaron Jones goes down. It certainly seems like a situation where last year, Aaron Jones, when he missed two games, I mean, Jamal Williams went 89% snaps and 85% snaps, just workhorse level stuff. Yeah. If Jones goes down again, I think we'd have to probably put Dylan closer to 60%. I'm happy. They're not like treating him as this running back that just can't catch passes. But to your point, Kylan certainly seems like he's better suited for that. So that's the thing with these, you know, not every backup running back is created equal. That's why we had the concern originally with Chuba coming into the offense because Mike Davis had demonstrated that three down ability throughout his career. Panthers apparently believe he's fine. So I'm cool with that too. We need to make sure the Packers feel that way about AJ Dillon. Do you hey, real quick? Do you, sorry, real quick. Do you have any thoughts on the jets? <laughs> Cause be, honestly, it's like, I struggle to really move any of those guys up the board. Uh, and I think the player I still prefer, but I don't want to hold to my guns and keep drafting in, you know, too early, but I still feel like Michael Carter and I'm hoping his ADP continues to fall. But if I were replacing a chip on, on the jets backfield, it would still be Carter. I just want his ADP to come down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really haven't moved Carter much throughout all this stuff. because It's not as big of a surprise to me, I guess, as it is with other people. I still have him as my RB 37 at this point, but no, like people still take him as the RB 27. Like that's crazy to me for him to be number three in his pecking order at this point. But yeah, I, I don't really want Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson either, particularly not Ty Johnson. I do think Tevin could with full health throughout the season, I, which is a big assumption for Tevin. I get it. But full health throughout the season, I think he might lead the way. But at this point, again, the issue with the Jets has always been not that Michael Carter will be the lead back. I still think he probably leads the way in production when it's all said and done. But is he going to be a lead back with a 50% snap rate or an 80% snap rate? Because one of those is a player that we're going to have a hard time putting in the flex spot. Another one is a weekly RB1. So that's always kind of been, that's my biggest takeaway from the Jets committee. It's not even like, oh, you know, Carter has a chance to break out of it it's that it's looking like the dolphins man it's just a straight up three-way committee with no real rhyme or reason i think those are situations we're usually better off avoiding yeah i agree all right let's hit some qb stuff before we go to some of the big wide receiver uh news obviously still have a bunch of qb battles going on i thought uh zach wilson and mac jones out of the first round quarterbacks impressed the most some of the throws wilson made against the packers i knew the dude had a cannon for an arm but actually seeing him do it against i can i know i know backup competition still better than byu stuff so i feel good about zach and i think right now i'm fine taking him ahead of fellow late round guys like sam darnold carson and Wentz, Daniel Jones. And with Mac Jones, people, like, again, you can just disregard everything we're saying and call it the preseason. I want the players to be good in preseason versus bad. So that's all I'm saying here. Mac Jones among 45 qualified QBs, first in overall PFF passing grade, when kept clean, went under pressure, and went throwing past the sticks. Number two, went throwing 20 yards downfield, only behind Jameis Winston. And, you know, even the other guys, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, 
Obviously, Trevor Lawrence. I think Lawrence has probably been the one struggling the most, though hasn't led that uh, first-team offense to a touchdown, but we still see the arm talent in the flashes. So, Dwayne, I still remain under the belief. I know that Wilson and uh, Lawrence already have their week one jobs under under wraps. I don't see too many scenarios where all five of these guys aren't starting by the end of September. Is that kind of the way where you're operating right now? Or do you think that basically if you had to guess which one of these guys could have the toughest time seizing that job, who do you think it is? It's, it's funny because it's the one that we probably think has the most upside and it's Trey Lance. And it's just because, you know, Garoppolo, he's the consummate kind of professional, you know, I mean, he's, they traded for him. They obviously liked him. Um, now they love Lance and they want to use him, but I don't think they have to force it. That's the thing. When the 49ers are healthy, I don't think they have to have Trey Lance to win. So he's the one that I could see wait the longest, but once he gets on the field, he's also going to be in the best situation. He's going to be in a great offense uh, where he's going to have a coordinator. There's going to do all sorts of things to create mismatches, not only for him throwing the ball, but also for him running the ball. So you, you may have to be patient with Lance. And here's my prediction. Trey Lance gets cut from a lot of these teams. If you're in redraft league, you're going to see people draft Trey Lance. They're going to be super excited about him. It's going to be week four or five. You know what happens Ian? injuries start piling up by week, start approaching. People got to make tough cuts and Trey Lance will be a guy that I'll be adding um, because I think it will be probably October or so before he's out there. Justin Fields. I think, um, I think he's going to get out there because Andy Dalton just doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, period, you know, Jimmy G didn't look good in the last game either, but we've seen Jimmy G look good in the past and he's been able to run the offense despite his injuries. Um, Andy Dalton, in my opinion, you know, it's, it's just, he's past his prime. You know, he's he, not, he looked good he's in not, 2015. <laughs> exactly. It's been a while. It's been a while, Andy, it's been a minute, you know? So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you um, on the idea of they're all probably going to eventually get in there. You got the two that, you know, you know, have their jobs locked in. I think Lance will take a little longer, but I'm super excited about what it looks like when he gets there. I also, man, the Zach Wilson thing, I think you nailed it. Um, not to agree too much here, but the guys you named, those are the ones for sure. I would be drafting him ahead of, um, I think, you know, you know what those other players are. So why really mess with it? Why, why not go ahead and take a look at Wilson? Plus, you know, he's younger. You can get some rushing yardage out of it. Um, and he's in a good offense, man. They have a good scheme. And I think he's, he and Lance are the two and they, they play in the same scheme. <laughs> so they're the two that are going to be the most protected by their scheme, you know? So it's like, once they're out there and they're really rolling, I think their coaches can help do a lot of things to really protect them. And just a quick note on Lance history does tell us he'll be out there sooner rather than later. We've had 23 QBs drafted in the top 10 since 2010, 19 of those went on to start double digit games. The only ones that didn't two with nine starts. Uh, Jeff Fisher version of Jared Goff with seven, Patrick Mahomes with one, Jake Locker is the only top 10 quarterback not to get a single start in their rookie year since 2010. Going to be a sheesh from me. Quickly on quarterback, we also have the Denver QB battle progressing. Drew Locke really won week one. Teddy came back and looked good week two. And to Teddy's credit, you know, he had a couple really impressive tight window throws along the way that we don't usually see as much from him. Locke, I didn't think was awful. Had a drop or two. Had a pretty cool uh, flip. He went out there where I think if Mahomes made it, we would have been seeing it all over ESPN for a good week. But I think the answer in fantasy in Denver, Dwayne, is just no. I mean, they start the season with the Giants, the Jaguars and Jets not brutal, but then the Ravens and Steelers, like 
no one's drafting these guys anyway. If they somehow make it out of this, you know, just again, pretty rough start to the year and they're looking good. Great. We can talk about signing them then, but for no, right now, I still don't think we need to really worry about the Denver battle as much. I guess the more actionable piece of information is what to make out of new Orleans, because my goodness, like, Taysom Hill, I don't think is quite as bad of a quarterback as he showed on Monday night, but that was not good, Dwayne, when you're in the middle of a quarterback competition with a guy in Jameis who was showing off all the tools, all the arm talent, all the things that have been missing from this offense for the last few years. One, do you think Jameis Winston locked up this competition like I do? And two, where does that now place him in your fantasy ranks? I, I have him leading the way. I have him at 10 starts and I have Hill at seven. I still feel like it's something that could easily just flip over on us, you know, because if Winston goes out there, starts, starts, you know, turning the ball over, it's going to be problematic. That, I think that's the reason Sean Payton hasn't just said yes. I think he knows that they can do more things as far as the vertical passing game and all those sort of things. I think the surprising thing for me really was just as, as good as all the camp reports and everything have been, I mean, Callaway looked like he was just on another planet last mm-hmm. night. And I know it's preseason, but the catches he made, I mean, both catches were not easy catches. They were difficult um, catches down the field. He made adjustments. He caught them. I mean, he just looked like he was a problem and it, it matches up with everything we've heard all off season. And so part of my concern with Winston was, well, like, I mean, really, who are they going to air it out with, with Michael Thomas hurt and him really being more of a intermediate type option, not really a field stretcher. Right. And Traquan Smith, you know, really being probably more of the Michael, you know, Thomas role, even though we've seen him do a little bit deep. And then you've got these other guys we weren't sure about, but with Callaway, if he can really stretch the field like this consistently, then I think that could actually be the key that unlocks things for Jameis is because you need a player out there that, you can actually uncork it too. And it looks like Callaway is going to give them that. So I, I do think that Jameis right now has pulled ahead in the race. Um, I think it's going to be something though, that we're probably going to have to monitor all season. As, as long as Winston's playing well, he'll be fine. But I know that Peyton will probably particularly have a short leash if, if they're in the race in the division. And I'm one that thinks the saints could really take a big drop off this year versus, I mean, if you look at the, the division that they play in, obviously you got to deal with the bucks, but I think this is a year where the saints, they're going to want to try to keep things close, lean on their defense if they can. And that's where James concerns me because if he gets into the end of the turnover game, that's going to be a problem. Are you taking Callaway over Traquan at this point? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe Callaway is just who we need to talk about. I think Callaway is in the top 50 receivers now. Ooh. How about you're still taking like Mike Williams, Marvin Jones ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm so talking- we're, we're, Hey, where I put him right now, honestly, like he and Corey Davis are the two biggest movers on my board all preseason of any position. They're the two that have moved the most. Um, so, I mean, and, and Davis, you know, we already talked about him being a solid ninth or 10th round pick. Um, but Callaway was a guy that when the offseason started, you know, and then we got in a really first starting to draft, you know, a couple months ago like he was a last round pick if he was even getting picked. <laughs> and now you're talking about a player that's going to go in the top eight rounds of a lot of drafts, especially in your, if you're in a 12 person league, I hit up, I hit up a couple of my uh, high stakes buddies last night, just seeing like, we're, we're, I knew, I knew they're drafting. These guys are always drafting. It's like, Hey, what are you doing? Drafting? You know, it doesn't matter what time you know, they're, it's awesome, but you can always dial them up, you know, and hit them. And I got two responses and in the drafts they were in uh, one was an eighth round. And I want to say the other one was a seventh round pick. And those were in 12 team leagues. Jeez, man. Yeah. I think top 50 is right. That wide receiver four borderline. He might be in the same tier as your Mike and Marvin still 
Good group of guys. I want more. Michael Thomas, you know, not out for the season or anything like that. There will be Traquan. This is all talking without even mentioning Alvin Kamara still being number one pass game option. But yeah, talk about a meteoric rise for Callaway. What? So I guess with Jameis, I'm not disagreeing with you that we could see Taysom have a good amount of starts as well this year. I guess I'm wondering if Jameis even has like fancy upside worth using a draft pick on because as great as he was in 2019, like we talk about this Dwayne with, you know, Rogers and Brady, these guys have awesome seasons, but then you look at their actual fancy ranking. You're like, Oh, that's weird. They didn't finish higher as great as you remember 2019 being in fantasy land. James was the QB eight in fantasy points per game. In 2018, he was the QB 15 in 2017 QB 18. QB 20, QB 19. Jameis, the only year he was a legit QB one was when he was absolutely given the DG, the DGAF YOLO ball reigns from Bruce Arians. Like one of the things I heard on the broadcast from Sean Payton was he just guaranteed Jameis wasn't going to throw that many interceptions again. Now, I think a big part of that is this offense being a little more conservative than no risk and no biscuit. It's also just the fact that they have Taysom Hill there and Sean Payton will physically not let Jameis throw 30 interceptions. So I have gone on record saying I wanted Taysom to win just because if Taysom wins, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off half the time. He'll give us a fancy asset and we'll also have Kamara. I think Jameis helps the receivers, but I'm not sure enough to really rank any of them inside of our top 36. So is Jameis someone that you ever find yourself taking at the end of drafts or is he just going to kind of be that, hey, good matchup this week. We can stream him while he has the job. That's the way I'm approaching him. I'm leaving him on the wire. There's just too much uncertainty. And then even if he did take it over, right? Do they have enough weapons? And and how does Sean Payton really want to play? I don't see it being the type of environment that will be super conducive to Jameis putting up big fantasy points. Um, so yeah, he's a guy that I'm just willing to pass on. And he's not being drafted, right? In most leagues, you know, unless you're in a really deep league. So I'm I'm fine with passing it. And honestly, the idea that Taysom Hill is probably still going to get in there is what kept me from even pushing Callaway up a little further. Like I nearly, I nearly, I put him in the teal in the tier with Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, Nicole Hardman, Darnell Mooney, Michael Pitt. I think he squarely belongs in that tier. You could already argue he belongs at the top of that tier with what he's shown. And again, it's not just one preseason game. We've been hearing these reports all the way through the off season, right? Through mini camp, OTAs, early training camp. And then he shows up and does this in a game that's different than just somebody coming out of nowhere. Right. So it's kind of like that, the Sigmund bloom, the steady drum beat that you hear building up that's been behind Callaway. So I like him right there. If I knew that Jameis was going to be the quarterback all season, I would bump him up to the next tier in that same area as Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Marquise Brown, Will Fuller, all those names. And cause some of those were just like, what's going to happen with them. I mean, are they, are are they going to be healthy to your point earlier about health? All of them, you know, are uh, still not practicing when you look at Samuel Brown and Fuller. And I can't stress. I mean, you know, Dwayne, you said like both of these catches he made were absolutely spectacular. <laughs> these were not empty yards. People first one diving 43 yard score in between double coverage. Defenders. Yeah. Second one, he toasted Shaq Griffin. The Jaguars yep. number one corner, who was the one of the only redeemable parts of the 2020 Seahawks defense. Marquez Callaway could certainly see more big days for him ahead. You mentioned another receiver that is rocketing up the draft boards. That is none other than Corey Davis somehow has been targeted on 10 of his 13 routes. <laughs> this preseason has looked good doing so. I mean, albeit not a world beater by any stretch, but looks good. As we know, Dwayne, we're chasing the volume. I have him as my wide receiver 39 at this point, huge riser. I take him ahead of Gallup, LaVisca, 
Cooks, Mike Williams. I guess I'm still having a hard time putting him quite into the wide receiver three territory ahead of, you know, the 49ers guys and some of the Steelers guys, but man, where he's still going, whether or not taking the ADP just long to catch up, he's still going deep into the wide receiver 40 range. I think Corey Davis is one of these guys that should just be prioritized in every fantasy draft you're in at this point, regardless of the format. How high do you have him? And do you feel the same way where it's like, there's just too much volume to bust at this point? Yeah, I have him at 41 okay. position wise, and I have him at 81 overall. So, yeah, I mean, he's in my top 100. So, Corey Davis, I've got pretty good exposure to him already um, with several with Zach Wilson stacks and best ball, which I'm happy about at this point. But yeah, I'm, I'm, you named some good names there. Um, and some of them I struggle with. It's like, you know, when you're really trying to figure out where these guys fit and, and that's when you truly test yourself is when you, you don't just put a number on them. You try to fit them into a tier because then it's almost like you're on the clock drafting. It's like, which one would you choose? And you're trying to fit where they fit in that, you know, you're trying to decide where they fit in that pecking order. And I think you did a pretty good job there of, of where they sit. I like him over Gallup because I think he's, and we'll talk about Gallup in a minute, but I mean, Davis has a chance, you know, to be in the 20, 23% target range. I think this year, maybe 24%. Um, he's never had that big of a role, even though it, has been an, it's been an option for his team. So it, he's also got to earn it, right? He's looked good so far. My one worry with Corey Davis is we've seen him in an offense that really needed him to be good before. And he just never really did anything until he got AJ Brown, you know, who kind of opened things up for him. So that does worry me a little bit, but I will say this is a good scheme. They do a lot of different things to help their players out. Um, receivers ultimately still just have to win. It's different than running backs. Um, in my opinion, you know, where volume can be the bigger dictator, uh, receiver, I think there's definitely more talent that has to come into play. I mean, you know, you played football, Ian, like you can speak to a lot of this, but there's a, there's a lot going on that people don't think about, like as far as being able to beat certain coverage types, be on the same page with your quarterback. There's a lot of nuance. And then your quarterback has to read it, right? Your offensive line has to block. There's a lot of things going into receivers, but I like Davis above most of the guys that you just named. I think he's right there in that range. Another guy I think you mentioned was maybe a tier below or two. Maybe he didn't. Dwayne, I think we got to start getting behind Rondale more, more and more, man. No pun intended. <laughs> I realize AJ Green, unfortunately, seems to be the number two guy in this offense. I think Rondale, though, might be getting more than even just Larry Fitz's targets. I mean, Chase Edmonds last year, low key, was one of the most targeted running backs out of the slot or out wide. Basically, all these cool scheme touches they're giving Rondale right now were, to an extent, given to Chase Edmonds last year. So, Rondale, 45 offensive preseason snaps. He has eight targets and three carries already. Now, he hasn't, you know, busted off an 80 yard touchdown yet. You know, I tweeted out some of the clips and people are saying, like, and, like, what's so impressive? impressive about this. It's not necessarily, again, it's not necessarily that he's, you know, jumped out off the screen as this incredible athlete. He is that, but we just haven't necessarily seen it yet. It's just this usage. I mean, Andy Isabella had, I think 13 total targets his entire rookie year. Like he's not being used even close to the same way. Now, almost We've gotten a few air yards. The heavy majority of them have been behind or at the line of scrimmage. Again, he is going to be a number three guy here. But Dwayne, again, sticking on kind of the topic of just late receivers you can get in your drafts. If we're just looking, you know, if we have our list, list of wide receivers and projected targets next to them, I think you'll be hard pressed to find a better value in the later rounds than Rondale Moore. Yeah, in home leagues right now. So like ESPN, PPR format, um, my fantasy league. Um, Pick 174 is his Ooh. average. 
Come on. I mean, that's like, he's not being drafted in a lot of home leagues is what that means, you know, because a lot of these home leagues are only going 14, 15 rounds. Um, so I'm, I wrote in my article this week, draft him in every draft, right? At that price. If you look at him, 100% of the snaps with the starters for a second week in a row, I know DeAndre Hopkins did not play. But what I love is that he dominated the, the routes from the slot. 78%, you know, of those went, or 78% of his routes came from the slot. Christian Kirk and AJ Green both played outside and more con- did continue to play after Kirk and Green left with the rest of the starters, you know, so they are keeping him out there. They're trying to get him acclimated. So I think, you know, that leaves a little bit of a door open that does Kirk kick inside, you know, whenever the season starts, but I don't think so. I think what we're seeing is are Kirk and AJ green going to basically be battling it out for the spot on the outside. And then we'll also get 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers on the field, plenty with this team. So there'll be chances for them to all be out there. I feel like he's going to own the slot role and I'm with you. I think he could be the number two. If I had to pick a player right now that I think will be the number two target on the team, I think it is Rondell Moore. I I don't disagree that AJ Green could come out and surprise us. You know, I mean, the guy's a professional. He's been great for a really long time. Um, Seems rejuvenated, rejuvenated. You're hearing all this stuff from training camp, but if I had to put a chip down, I still just want to put it down on Rondell Moore, the younger, more explosive player. Love it. I'm with you. Draft Rondell Moore people can't go wrong. You mentioned this before, Dwayne, Michael Gallup have some cause for concern. Again, I invite everyone to read your always brilliant utilization report where you uncover helpful nuggets like this. And that is your cue. Yeah, Michael Gallup. And so this is good news for one player, bad for another. Uh, CD lamb is officially worth the draft capital at this point because he's not leaving the field. So, and here's the good news. He's sliding since Amari Cooper came off the pup and played. So now you can get him in the middle of the third round again. Um, if you're a run underdog, sorry, still going to have to take him with that um, round two, three turn. But Lamb did not leave the field um, hardly at all, Ian, even when they went to 12 personnel and they left 11. So the challenge for Lamb with me before this was if they were going to keep him in the slot, even if the Cowboys ran the 11 personnel, 75% of the plays, that's going to limit his routes per drop back, you know, in the 70, 75% range, which is hard for a wide receiver to jump up into that wide receiver, low end wide receiver range, unless they're hyper efficient, which he could have been, this is going to be a good offense or it just, you know, they ran at an electric pace. So there were ways for lamb to get there, but now if Lamb's going to be out there in 12 personnel, he's going to be out there in 21, and it's going to be Gallup leaving the field, which is what we saw. In 12 personnel, Lamb was out there for 80% of the snaps, 100% of the snaps with 11. Gallup was only out there for one out of five plays with 12 personnel. So it looks like Lamb has assumed as far as routes and snaps go, he's either number one or two. My guess is he's going to be number one at this point. And so if you get that, he, that, that unlocks that opportunity, man, to get to that 23, 24% target share kind of number. And then if on top of that, like they're just flying down the field, um, I expect this also to help us average depth of target because whenever you come out and you're playing from under center, you're playing with two tight ends. A lot of times they're going play action. They want to take deep shots down the field. So this gets them outside the numbers, not just working from inside the slot. So I think all of these things are working in CD lamb's favor. Um, and I think if he's there in the middle of your third round of your draft, you need to absolutely draft CD lamb. 
Yeah, I was rolling through the other teams real quick because Cooper and CD, man, I think might be the odds on favorites to just have the best chances of both being wide receiver ones in the same offense. I know we got AJB and Julio. We'll see about the volume there. Metcalf and Lockett did it last year. Thielen and Jefferson did it last year. We'll see if those stay even. Also, we obviously got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup usually knocking on the door in the wide receiver two range. So there are some other candidates and, you know, Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey if you want to call them wide receivers. I won't disagree with you, certainly in the top two uh, in their respective passing games. But yeah, it's, you know, this Cooper versus Lamb thing has never made sense to me. Get them both. And I feel like because I've been hyping up Cooper more because he's been falling, it's like almost I'm out on Lamb, which couldn't be further from the truth. He's been my wide receiver 12 the entire offseason. So CD, Cooper, love them both. And I'm not, I mean, you're not out on Gallup because of this. He's still someone that I get it. He's your wide receiver 40 or something like that. Uh, but I think at that cost, like don't reach by 10 wide receiver spots on the guy, but that's okay. We can have a number three receiver in an offense. If he's someone that's proven good, big play potential and is in a high scoring offense. Gallup checks all those boxes still. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I think, you know, the point you made earlier is, is kind of where I see like Corey Davis, I'm going to take Corey Davis over Gallup. You know what I mean? So you, you're making those sort of calls now, but to your point, he's still going to be on the field plenty. He's going to play in a good offense. So we're not saying that Gallup's a complete fade. This is really just making sure you don't reach for him and also be willing to pay the price of admission on CD Lamb. That's the moral of the story. And Amari Cooper still Amari Cooper, like you said. All right, Dwayne, last few notes here. I just had down, um, you know, everyone realized Deontay Johnson, number one receiver in Pittsburgh. He should have had like a 75-yard Bomb for a touchdown. He still came back and caught it. Big Ben just wasn't able to get enough air under it. So we just, you know, keep on treating him as the top 16 guy that we've been preaching throughout the offseason. I'm seeing his ADP finally climb up there a little bit, probably where it should have been the whole way. Good news for me, Cole Hardman seems to be either starting in two wide receiver sets or at a minimum, definitely in three wide receiver sets, which is more than he could say last year. So we're feeling good about that. Again, people only Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown have more yards per target than Mecole since 2019. Yeah. Real quick on Hardman. I'm still a little worried like with him, the the utilization is good, but Tyreek Hill was out. So I still don't know like this one. I, yeah, the 91% was great, but you know how you kind of have like a confidence interval on these things. Like green is great. Yellow is kind of like, okay, I'm interested and I'm going to pay more attention than there's red. Like, I don't care. This is like yellow. It's like, I'm paying attention. Orange I still have Miko in a, in a, in a tier where he, I already named it earlier, right. Where he's sitting there with Mooney and Pittman because he plays with Patrick Mahomes, all the other things that you just named, but man, watching them play and, and you watch every game, like, they're not on the same page. Mahomes is really having to try to coach him up. And this has been going on with Hardman. And for folks that don't know, like Hardman was playing defensive back (laughs) originally in college. He only had been a receiver, I believe for one year before he came to the NFL. So he's still, he's still growing as a receiver, but he's struggling and he's not, they were trying to force feed him the ball in this last game. And there were several miscommunications. So I'm, I'm still a little worried about him. I'm glad that they're, they're really trying. I think they're trying to work the kinks out in preseason and really get his confidence up. But I think there is still a bust factor with Hartman. Now you're not having to spend a super early pick on him. You could still take him in the 10th or 11th round and end up cutting the guy. And it's not going to kill you. Um, and the upside is there, but, and again, we don't care a ton about, you know, the actual quality of play in preseason, but a 54.4 receiving grade, um, after them trying to force him the ball so much, he's, he's having some issues. So I'm a little concerned. 
Yeah. I like this touchdown catch. He was kind of falling away. He managed to pluck it just off the ground. I did have written down in my notes that on both of his end zone targets, I thought with a better pass, he maybe could have come down with it. I hear you though. And there's been some of these training camp videos where they just show him in one-on-ones unable to get off the press and all that, you know, it is the point though, where if we were being asked to draft him 10 spots ahead of where we were last year, okay, probably yeah. not, but to see him at that same valuation in a much better role, that's where I'm okay. Going back to the well, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to take Corey Davis, Brandon cooks, all those guys ahead of him, you should, you should feel fine doing so Dwayne last thing we can hit on is any new notes with tight ends. I didn't have a ton. Dallas Goddard continued to be split with Zach Ertz. And we even saw Richard Rodgers get some involvement in the first team offense. I think, you know, as much as people want to say Ertz is a value based on where he's been going, like, yeah, sure. He'll beat that ADP. Is he someone you want as you're starting tight end in the fantasy league? I don't think so. So best ballers, if you want to try to cash in on that 18th round pick, maybe go for it, but I'll generally still not be drafting Ertz and definitely not Goddard as long as he stays priced where he is. And yeah, man, Adam Troutman, apparently the injury isn't too severe, but he, his stock continues to go down. Irv Smith seems like someone where he's getting a little bit more usage with the starters, which is great. Still don't fully expect him to pull away from Tyler Conklin. I, I think I had the same conclusion as we did last week, man. If you can't get Waller, Kittle, or Kelsey, you need to get Logan Thomas because I am tired of throwing darts at these late round tight ends that are not working out. Did you have any, you know, bigger picture takeaways with these tight ends or just more, more gloom with these guys that we were so hyped about, you know, two, three weeks ago. So Irv Smith definitely has my attention. Um, ran around on 89% of Kirk cousins dropbacks. He was targeted 22% of the time. So he was always more of a 70% player last season with Kyle Rudolph around. So I know they like Conklin um, and Conklin did not play this last weekend. He was out with a hamstring. So I have to caveat the statement, but I feel really good about what, what Irv Smith's role is looking like. So he's a guy that at this point I'm taking ahead of Goddard, some of the other names that are moving down. So if I get say to, um, we talked about Logan Thomas being like the break glass, you know, like don't let it go past him kind of thing last week um, on our strategy show. But if it does get past that and you're, you're sitting there staring at Higby and Fant, I think the other guy that belongs in that tier at this point really is Irv Smith Jr. No, that's fair. And we'll keep an eye on the Tyler Conklin injury, just like the Kyle Rudolph injury, man. Like, yeah, I'm not high on Evan Ingram, but if things change, if all of a sudden that every snap role comes to fruition, Kadarius Tony continues to be a non-factor. Now things didn't change quite as much as we were anticipating. So moral of the story, later on tight ends continue to not look as good in August as they do in March through July. But people- I don't know how we can finish this though, Ian, without like, don't you have, don't you have an obligation to, J- to uh, Jacoby Myers? Like are oh, you I contractually, you, were... you guys have a contract, right? That you have to talk about him with Jacoby. No, I thought you were going to say like, <laughs> why did we not get hyped up about Auden Tate's awesome? <laughs> well, we could have had that and yeah. rising up the uh, depth chart. What do you got on Jacoby? I got, he, he, did, he did have a great game. I mean, that was a great game by both Patriots quarterbacks, honestly. Yeah. So with Jacoby, I mean, the thing is what we're seeing is he and Aguilar are out there all the time with the starters. But Aguilar is basically running go routes every play, Ian. <laughs> Aguilar has ran a go route on 88% of or 78% of his routes, whereas Myers is running crossers, digs, you know, ins, outs. I mean, he he's running the full route tree and he's getting, it's almost like, hey, Nelson, go run everyone off and let Jacoby like just work underneath. And he's clearly Cam Newton's favorite. Like Cam Newton is just like, you know, he's locking in on, on Jacoby Myers. But I was just going to ask you, where did, where have you moved him? Because I moved him up again this weekend. Um, 
I've got him up to number 54 overall at the position, a number 111 overall, like in all ranks. Where do you have Myers now? That sounds about right. I'll finish off my ranking adjustments after we're done here. I would probably slot him right alongside like Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, maybe ahead of Ruggs behind Edwards. I'm still not super because we haven't been seeing uh, this Patriots offense with both Henry tight ends. Yeah fully functional. So I'm not completely convinced Myers is the wide receiver one. He's still a value where he's going, man. Like I remember one of the first times I did like, all right, my rankings versus ADP, who am I higher and lower on? And I saw Aguilar and Myers just popping. Like if they're still going in the seventies and eighties range, like absolutely sign me up for that. It's once we start getting into the uh, legit discussion, it's funny, man. I have T Y Hilton as my wide receiver 73. And like, anytime I see a receiver that I'm like moderately interested in, I'm like, all right, well, at least put him ahead of TY. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look, look a little that. bit higher. He's the test. Like, you yeah, just like, okay, above or below TY. <laughs> David Johnson for the running backs. Like, it's, uh, we have these certain guys that, you know, yeah, it's a litmus test. You nail it. All right, everyone. I just hope you can realize that fantasy football draft season is here. And we are offering 30% off any PFF subscription to all first time subscribers with promo code kickoff 30 for just $7. Get access to PFF's fantasy football draft guide, player rankings and projections. Of course, you can get mine and Dwayne there. All of PFF's locked article content, sheet sheets for your fantasy draft and more. Again, promo code kickoff 30 for 30% off any PFF subscription. Get access to all of PFF's fantasy tools for just $7. Also, we'll give a shout out to our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is free fantasy football league managers, the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is gearing up to play our leagues on Fantrax this season, and we have drafted one already. If you're coming from another site, that is no problem. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues completely free. Create a free account now using promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. And listen, people, get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league, plus $6,000. Six big ones. Gotta love that. Thank you, Fantrax. That is promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. Final note, the NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive 200 bucks in free bets when he plays a $1 bet in any week one game. Promo code PFF to get the free $200 in free bets instantly. Limit time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Dwayne, you got the utilization report out there. What else can the people find from your lovely self on pff.com? Yeah, I've also been updating all of my um, rankings, just like what you were talking about. Also, I just dropped, uh, or I wrote today, my top 250 uh, article for PPR. So, and I also tiered it. Um, last week, I dropped a strategy article on each position for how you should approach the draft. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Um, what else, Ian, there's a lot going on, <laughs> like trying to keep up with, you know, keeping all these different things updated. Um, so, and then, you know, we've got a really cool draft kit, um, where all of us behind the scenes, you know, we go in and we update, you know, our different tiers, different rankings, all that stuff. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check that out, especially if you've got your draft coming up, absolutely want to make sure that you go and look at that as well. 
hundred percent. You can check out my work on pff.com as well. Got 19 key takeaways from preseason week two, many of which we just talked about on here. I'm going through every backfield and breaking down my projected snaps. That should be out Thursday. Also going through the pecking order of every passing game that will be out Friday. So those should be some monster pieces. Make sure you check those out. As I mentioned, go to my Twitter at iHeartits. I'm going to send out a tweet on Wednesday afternoon, just asking for your most important questions ahead of the drafts. Again, if you want good general draft strategy listen to the podcast way and i recorded for last friday on august 20th on this friday august 27th again i want to get your specific questions you know we spent all off season teaching you guys how to fish but at this point when it's time to get your drafts i'm happy to take some time go through specific players keepers whatever's on your mind let us know so he's Dwayne. i'm ian it's been the pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody